Well, I don't know why Pastor Frank said uh, anything about nerves. I'm just excited to preach. But here's the deal. Let's pull up those four options. These guys are bringing out this table. You're probably wondering, what's going on here? So uh, for those of you who are just coming in a little late, uh, or if you're watching online, what happened was, (laughs) at the youth auction, I auctioned off uh, the choice of the passage for this morning, what I would preach. And Steve Bodwell and Michael Bree came up with a great idea of, of saying, let's have a vote that morning. And now what, uh, we, the missing piece was that they didn't want me to write a sermon, which normally I write a sermon. That's why I don't have a pulpit this time. They said, just let the spirit move, Pete. Just let the spirit move. <laughs> Woo! And so I said, all right. Let's let the spirit move, Bodwell. <laughs> so I was going to have Mike and Steve act out. I'm like, okay, David and Goliath will have them fight to death. We'll do Eutychus. Steve will perch himself up here and fall to his death. Like, that'd be really, you'd remember that one, right? Okay, so uh, I, I did not write a sermon. I've been praying over these passages. And you know what happened with this? Funny thing happened with the votes. The passage of scripture that I least prayed over, <laughs> the passage of scripture that's the most preachy of all of them, is the one that you chose. Which one do you think it is? I don't know if there were any Russian bots involved in the voting. I think this is actually legitimate. So the options were uh, crossing over, Exodus 14, search me and know my heart. That was a psalm. Uh, Welcome home, return of the prodigal sons, father, hello. You know I spent a lot of time on that one. No. No. Which one did you choose? The one you can't pronounce. Saving Eutychus. There it is. All right, all right. So you're wondering, well, why is he going to sit down? It's because i got I to be able to read this. Okay, saving Eutychus, fine, fine. This is the one you asked for. Okay, so let's pray and let's begin. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for already a very full and, and, and rich morning of worship, our attention drawn to you. Now, we know that when a person experiences Your saving grace changes everything. When we don't know your grace, God, the smallest, slightest, uh, almost insignificant offense or or someone crossing us is is enough to send us over the edge. But God, with your grace working in our lives, we can face any challenge. So God, we thank you. We thank you for revealing yourself to us as a father and as a son and as a and as a spirit within us. We thank you, Lord, not only for dads and granddads and, and, and uncles, but for coaches. We thank you, God, for teachers. We thank you, Lord, for uh, men in our lives that have made a difference. We thank you, God, for a great men in history who've made a difference, who've left uh, a living legacy. And God, we pray that, that all of us here, men and women, boys and girls, we would also have an impact, uh, Lord, that would last into eternity. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to Turn to your word, and we pray, God, that this uh, next five-hour sermon would be a blessing uh, in our lives. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, I, I, was, I was telling you the truth. Okay, so we're in Acts chapter 20. Open your Bibles or your Bible app to Acts chapter 20, uh, and we have the Apostle Paul. He's uh, on one of his mission trips. He's returning from Philippi to Jerusalem, and along the way, he's going along with, with Luke, who's a doctor, Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, and he's sort of keeping that travel log of what they're doing, where they're about. So when he refers to we, he's referring to himself, Dr. Luke, 
to Paul and to uh, the, the group that he's traveling with. They're traveling back from Philippi on their way to Jerusalem, and so they sail and they stop over in, in a place called Troas just to spend a week uh, with the believers there. And uh, uh, it says uh, at the end of that time, that was the, the day of worship, they're, they're pumped. They finally get Paul all to themselves to hear God's word preached, and they're excited to hear what he has to say. And there's a little mishap during, uh, during the worship service. So let's, let's look at um, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 7 to, uh, to 12. Let's stand, as is our custom, to honor God's word. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and, because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper stair, uh, stairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself over on top of the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, Paul said. He's alive. Then Paul went upstairs again, broke bread and ate it, and after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please sit down. Wow. Okay, that's the one you want. <laughs> so Eutychus, uh, his name means fortunate. Kind of, a, kind of, kind of uh, ironic, isn't it? A name like that, fortunate. Fortunate that, that he was saved, right? But he was saved in, in three ways. So if you're taking notes, write this down. He was saved in the church. He was saved through the preaching of the gospel, and he was saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. I see a big smile on Pastor Frank's face. Oh, he loves that three-point sermon. <laughs> saved in the church through the preaching and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here we have the church gathered together to hear God's word proclaimed. But also look at verse 7. It says, the first day of the week, this is the Lord's day, they came together to break bread as we're going to uh, after after this service, we're going to have fellowship together. And we, there's a misconception when we think, oh, we're going to have worship time, and then we're going to have the message time, and then we're going to have food. It, it, it's all worship. It's all the work of the church. And so this is what the church is when we come together, all the ways that we come together, when we come together as small groups, when we come together on Sunday mornings. Now, Eutychus was saved before he was saved again. He was saved in the church. So the whole church in that community, imagine it being a pretty small number of people because they're crammed into one room on the third floor. Just imagine you could think about architecture at the time. How large could a, a third floor building be? How many people could it possibly hold? Whatever number it was, 30, 40, 50, 60 people, whatever it was, it was packed. And he was there. Said, I said this is preachy. You ready for this one? Eutychus was saved because going to church was essential. It was not optional. This is the biggest problem facing next-gen ministry and, and even really all of our generational ministry, that we think going to church is optional. 
There's not one parent I know that would say going uh, on uh, a trip with your select team, baseball team, is optional. Hey, you don't want to go? That's fine. My nephew, Chris, uh, Michael, Christopher just graduated from college, Michael, Jonathan's uh, age, he's on a select league baseball team in Fairfax County, Virginia. And this is what my brother, uh, Chris, and, and, and Pam, hi, if you're watching, probably not, but that's okay. See, this is the part where, this is why I write a sermon, so I don't say random stuff that I'm going to regret later. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bodwell. Sheesh. Michael is in uh, band, and that's to put, uh, you know, big band. We'll tell you about that in a second. He's also a select league and plays us, uh, baseball and plays catcher. And so this is their weekend this weekend. They're driving to Norfolk, Virginia for a four-day baseball tournament that he's got to play. My brother's hoping that his team doesn't win too many games because when they lose, or hopefully not, and then they'll have to pull Michael out, my brother Chris is going to drive him to the nearest airport, or he did, I think this was on Friday, fly to New Jersey where Pam is waiting for him. She's just driven seven hours to get there. Pick him up, drive him into Manhattan because he's playing at Carnegie Hall this morning. Wow, right? Talk about commitment. They're, they're not going to miss that baseball game for anything. Private, yeah, private coaching and everything. And he's playing a $10,000 upright base. They're not going to miss Carnegie Hall for anything. But church, church is optional. And Unicus was saved, and our children, and our young people, and our young adults, and those seniors that stood here uh, are saved because, and statistics show this, they show this, they show they do this all the time, and there are stats that I probably would have had written down, but I'm just making it up, so just trust me that it's true. <laughs> the number one feature of someone uh, sticking with their faith uh, through young adulthood and, and into out of the home, not style of music, not lighting, not crying babies, we love you, kid, we'll see you a little bit. <laughs> You're like, oh man, he's going off the rails. It's that the, the nature of the church community makes coming together just a fact of life. This is just what we do. There's no arm twisting. This isn't like uh, John Lithgow from uh, Footloose. Like, you have to do it. No, we want to do this. We don't want to miss out. And so parents, what are you doing to make experiencing a church community, your small group, connecting together, making that transition, big transition for our juniors going into senior year. It's all about college. It's all about the next thing. What are we doing as a church family to wrap our arms around that next generation so they don't feel like, well, it's, I've done it. I've done did kids' ministry, youth ministry, and now I guess I'm just going to find my way. We're making uh, moves right now. Uh, Lindsay's team is talking about this. Joe's going to be working on a, a group for our seniors, talking about that transition. So he was saved in the church. See, now here I'm rambling on. Okay, number two. He was saved in the church. He was saved uh, by the preaching of the word. Now, let's look at it. Paul spoke. They wanted to hear him. He's leaving the next day. He, he's got to catch that boat on his way to Jerusalem. And look at verse uh, 8, the, the, or 7b. It says, he intended to leave the next day, so he kept on talking until midnight. Can you imagine a service that goes till midnight like that? And imagine this as well, church. We, we save these kids because we're providing this room for them. We're providing this place for them. We're providing this campus for them. Were any of those folks coming up to Paul and say, Paul, uh, 
you're running over a little bit? Were any of them complaining to Paul as he's preaching about how warm it was getting? No, they were just fixated on the worship. He was saved through the preaching of the gospel. I'm going to celebrate my 18th year of being ordained as a Presbyterian minister uh, on, on June 20th, so just a few days from now, number 18. When I, when I graduated from seminary at, at age 30, uh, Cheryl and I knew we were moving to Minneapolis, and I was going to take my very first church. We said, Lord, send us wherever you want us to go. And I wasn't very specific about the zip code, and he said, okay, you're going to go to the, the frozen tundra of Minnesota, and I went there prepared, excited for ministry, and excited with the experience I had in youth ministry, which was this type of talking, just sort of looking at text, have a few notes, but just sort of talking to people. And I always you know, I had to have good stories, had to try to make people laugh, had to try to entertain. That's what I was prepared to do. That's what my church and my seminary prepared me to do. They did not prepare me to preach the gospel. I arrived... August 2001, and then on 9-11, which is our anniversary, we're coming up on our 25th, everything changed. And when I went back into that church, I realized there are all these people looking at me, needing answers and encouragement and hope. And it's not going to come from me, 30-year-old, or 48-year-old now. It's not going to come from having great stories or things to make you laugh or taking a story that I read online and I turn, turn it around, put my own name in there, insert it so I become the hero of the story. Oh, no. It's going to come from the gospel. It's going to come from God's word. It's going to come from being explicit about what God has to say, even when it's hard and confusing and challenging. And so I realized I need to actually start writing my sermons and not making them up as I go along. He was saved through the preaching of God's word. That's what the Lord God has commanded. He's called people to come to bring the gospel. How will they hear unless they hear it preached? And, and it's so sad to see how the, the art of preaching, the art of communication is just going away in so many respects. And yet, interestingly, even as sermons in churches are getting shorter, more video clips, funnier, lighthearted, keep it light, keep it moving. Let's just talk about having uh, the best life now for, for 10, 15 minutes and then move along. What's interesting is what I find on podcasts is there's the opposite effect, where I'm hearing long-form conversations, half an hour, an hour, two-hour-long podcasts of people wrestling with life issues. So the art of preaching, the art of communication hasn't changed. We think it has, but it hasn't. It's actually returning. And so Paul, he talked and talked and talked till midnight about the gospel. And so here's your sermons, all four. You want all four? Exodus, uh, what did I say, 14, uh, crossing over. The Old Testament anticipates what's applied in the New Testament. Oh, no, don't worry. It's okay. I'll remember it. That's all right. <laughs> And so this is the crossing over, the saving of the children of Israel uh, with, with uh, Pharaoh coming down on them hard, and then the Lord God uses Moses to, to spread those, the water, and they cross over. What are they saved from? They're saved from slavery, just like we are today. How are they saved? By the power of God. 
by grace through faith, they crossed that water. Some of them were probably super hopeful that they could get across. Others were terrified, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It wasn't the amount of their faith. It was the one they put their faith in. And who saves them? Israel, Egypt, they're all the same. We're all the same. None of us are perfect. The difference was Israel had a mediator. When the Lord God speaks to Moses, he says, why do you cry out to me? Moses didn't cry, it was the people, but he identifies so closely with Israel that God says, why do you cry to me? And Moses so closely identifies with God that he reaches out his hand with that staff and the waters spread apart and the waters close up over Pharaoh. He's the man in the mediator. He's, he is God's mediator. We have a greater one in Jesus Christ. That would be the kind of sermon that maybe Paul would, would go on and on for hours and hours. Psalm 139 being known and knowing God. We just came off that series on prayer, and that, that's the heart of prayer, being known and knowing God. If you know God who's all-knowing, all-powerful, inescapable, it's terrifying. David says, where can I flee from your presence? Because who wants to be seen by everything? Imagine if on the screen you saw everything I did or thought for the last month. I'd be terrified. I'd be out of here. I'd, I'd be but David realizes, even though God sees all of that, he says, how wonderful are your thoughts of me. That even though you know everything about me, God, even though you know my, my, my faults and my sins and my, my mistakes, you still love me. And so that psalm ends with him saying, search me, know my heart. He would have talked about the parables of Jesus, how Jesus so often taught in parables. A parable of, of the father, that, that whole, read, read that on your own. Luke 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. It speaks of, of God's compassion and grace. Ever ready to, to receive repentance, and there's rejoicing in heaven. There are two sons lost. Two sons alienated from their father. One son's alienated, thinks he's finding his way by being very, very bad. And one son's lost, he's alienated by trying to be very, very good. One of them thinks, I got to go on my own, my own way. And he finds it to be foolish and, and, and worthless, and there's no one there to back him up. The other one says, I'm going to do everything perfect, and then God will have to love me. The Father will have to accept me. And they both get it wrong. The son returns after losing everything with a plan. Uh, to, to win his father's approval by saying, I'll, I'll be like one of your hired hands. And what do we see there? We see grace before repentance. Just like we see uh, in the Exodus passage, we see grace before law. They cross over before they go to Sinai and they get the Ten Commandments. There's grace before you're told how to live. And then we see in this story, we see grace before you have to, to measure any kind of repentance. Imagine if we keep these doors closed to anyone until they're ready to say, I believe. Please forgive me. We want these doors open, don't we? For everyone, right? Don't we? <laughs> Some people try to challenge me. Like, well, Pastor Pete, uh, would you allow this kind of person in your church? Well, first off, it's not my church. It's our church. And secondly, absolutely. Everyone, come. There's grace first. And then that older brother Stingy with grace, judgmental, looking down on everyone, a terrible evangelist, holding grudges. Look at all the hard work I do in the church. Look at my resume. 
Who are you to come in here and, and tell me how to... And that story is left open-ended. The father's pleading with the older brother, pleading with the stingy one, pleading with the one who's so self-righteous, pleading with the one who says, uh, it's all about me and my needs. And the father says, please come. I gave a third to your younger brother. I've given you two-thirds, everything else. Come and celebrate your brother who is lost. Eutychus was saved through the preaching of God's word. Let's not, never give that up. Let's raise up the next generation. I love that Lindsay preached last week. I love that we've had Joe preach. We've got great preachers. We need more voices to come and communicate the gospel. Okay, saved in the church, saved through the preaching, and number three, saved by the power of God. And so it says that he uh, talked and talked and talked, and uh, there are all those lamps. You can imagine this, all the oxygen just getting sucked out of that room. There's no air conditioning. Do you feel the air? Is it getting warm in here? Imagine how hot it was. And poor Eutychus, Eutychus is sitting in that, in that windowsill because there's no room uh, to sit down on the floor. And he tumbles out. And how high was the building? Yeah. Terminal velocity, right? <laughs> and Dr. Luke is a doctor, and he confirms. He says he, went, he was dead. They picked him up dead. Verse 10, Paul went down, and this is what the, the uh, I think Elijah did this. He threw himself over a dead child. Paul throws himself over the young man, puts his arms around him, and says to the crowd, don't be alarmed. He's alive. He goes back upstairs. This is just, this is just like a baller. This is just the most amazing kind of sermon. I've, can you imagine? He just comes back upstairs and says, okay, let's have communion. Let's have bread, and let's just keep preaching until day daylight. I love that. And then it says, they picked up the man, and they were, they were greatly comforted. You think? You think? I've never in my life been a part of a church like this church. It brings me joy. Cheryl can attest, I haven't always had joy. At times I've had to have a little fake veneer at times, because that's just what pastors do on Sunday morning. It's a lot of backbiting, lots of complaining, lots of pulling power, lots of, this is my church, it's not their church. One time I was in church and someone said, when we had a, a praise team for the first time in, in this church's history, they said, you're destroying my church, Pastor Pete. Bless you. Hmm. Hmm. See, I, I can't say that kind of stuff when I... Bodwell. <laughs> but this church, this church is different. I've come into this church multiple generations, people all the way into, into their 90s, and you're saying, we want to open this church up to, to everyone, and especially you're telling me, we want to reach the next generation. That doesn't happen, at least in my experience, it hasn't happened in other churches. And I'm seeing real life change. I've seen people turning from spiritual darkness to life. I'm, I'm seeing marriages being saved here. I've seen people making uh, commitments to Christ lay into their life here. I've seen people who said, I, I, I can never be accepted back there, coming back. And friends, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you know how unusual it is for a church like our church to find the team that we have. This is the, 
the most exceptional team. Do you know how unusual it is to have a pastor, a missionary like Pastor Mark, what he just shared earlier? The grace that he brought? Talk about being a, a leader, but a pastor and a father. What a model. I want to be like that. That's the work of the Spirit in and through a servant of God. That's the work of the Spirit in this place. You know how unusual it is that Rob Wood is our worship director? It wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen. I, I sent out an email to somebody who had marked on his resume, I am not willing to leave Houston, Texas. I didn't read the, the resume carefully enough. I just saw the video. I'm like, I'm going to write this guy here. Send. We're in Maple Valley, Washington. Uh, we'd love if you'd like to come check us out. And then others got heard, Pastor Pete, he's great, but did you read what the resume actually said? Unwilling to leave Houston, Texas. <laughs> Do you know where that email went? Do you know where it went? It went into his spam folder. He found it, so in the trash heap, and writes me back and says, so interesting that you would write me, coming out of a Pentecostal, charismatic, years and years of experience in, in leading worship, described to us as a musical prodigy from the age of nine, a family of, of ministers, just as father is a pastor. So it's so interesting you would write me. Because I put in my resume, which was in draft form, by the way, and I wasn't willing to, to move out of Houston. He just, he just put it up. Just as pregnant, um, okay, let's calculate. I could either do 150 uh, music lessons a day, or we could try to find a new job. It's so interesting that you would write me. Because the one place in this country that I would be interested in moving, my wife and I would feel called to, called to, is King County. Washington. Eutychus was fortunate. We are so fortunate, people, of what God's doing here. He's opening the floodgates. This young man, all of us here, we're saved in this church. We're saved through preaching. I, I, I'm honored to fill the pulpit that Pastor David filled for all those years to preach the gospel. We're saved, ultimately, by the power of God. It's the power of God. Why? Because then God gets all the credit. So I want to be able to say when the 2020 vision rolls out and becomes a reality, I want to be able to say five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when I retire. <laughs> 22 years from now? Do the math. It was all God. It was, it was all God. Application. Number one. Stay awake. Hello? <laughs> Stay awake, people! Stay awake in the church. This is for all of us. You're all commissioned to be ushers. You're all commissioned to be greeters. You're all commissioned to be welcomers because people are coming. And they're not just coming uh, for the folks that are on the stage. They're coming for you. They're coming for your show of love and courtesy and care. There's ministry happening outside of Sunday mornings. I just happened to be here on Friday. Our deacons were meeting with folks that were in need in our community that may never come to our church, but we just know this is what it means to be gospel people. So stay awake. Pray for your pastors. I need your prayers. I'm not nervous right now at all. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm just at the kitchen table. I, I can't say, 
I say a bar, but not a bar. Kitchen table, kids. With, with family. With friends. I need your prayer, because I'm, I'm a man. And I try to be a good father. And I try to be a good husband, but I mess up all the time. We need your prayers. And finally, recommit to serving the Lord together. This summer, what an opportunity. We're going to have two services this summer. This is a little scary. We haven't done this for a long time, but it's because there's just not enough room. But please, when you come, know this summer is for all of us. It's for folks that will be coming to visit our church for the first time. They're, they're, they're going to be coming, especially in the month of August. They'll be coming. And we're all part of this together. Bear witness to what God is doing. Let's pray. Lord God, like uh, Eutychus, we are all very fortunate to be here together. We're blessed by you, by your calling in our life. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But Lord, we pray that we would uh, recommit ourselves, Lord, <clears throat> to be a church that, that loves the whole family of God. There's something special, Lord, that you're doing in this place uh, from cradle to grave, something special you're doing in this place from the, the youngest among us through our kids' ministry. That's, that was really like the canary in the coal mine. It was the first sign that, that something special was happening here, God, this past year. And through high school and through our, our seniors that are leaving for college and for, for, for things that they're going on to, God. So God, help us to stay awake. Lord God, help us to be people of prayer and help us, God, to fulfill our calling as the priesthood of all believers. So we all have unique gifts and talents and opportunities. Not everyone's going to get to preach on a Sunday or sing in the band or, or uh, teach a class. Uh, we, need, we need folks serving in all other ways. We need uh, people on, on streets uh, just to care about their neighbors. We need people uh, being friendly at Fred Meyer. We need people that are willing to, to laugh and, and even sing during the lunch break at Amazon and Google and, and Boeing. God, we need all this to be a movement of your spirit, that you would get the glory of all that's happening in this place and so fulfill the calling to be people of your kingdom and to live into eternity. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.